the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And I'm joined here tonight with James Payne. James, welcome back. Welcome back. Why did I just tell to you? Welcome back. But yeah, thank you. Um, boy, um, has it been a, a rough 24 hours? Um, you know what? Um, this is this is the. I mean, for the listeners, uh, this is the day after uh, last night. Is, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. The day after last night. The day after the game. The day after the day after the. No, the day after the night before. The day after the night before, in which we all witnessed a horrendous game of football, a train wreck, a car crash. And today, you know, the, the mood is a little bit more, I, th- I think I think it's fair to say it's a little bit more like somber. Um, rather um, than, I, like, I feel less angry, irritated, annoyed, and uh, semi-heartbroken today than I was last night. Like, last night, you couldn't speak to me. Last night, what gave me Burnley uh, memories? <laughs> the day, Let the days where we started the podcast. Like last, last, last night was awful. Um, but today, I've yeah. had a very, I've had a lovely day. I've actually had a really nice twenty-five degrees, super duper warm and hot. Um, no complaints. And then, obviously, uh, you messaged me to remind me that we need to do the podcast, and then it kind of sunk back. Oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. I mean, I knew I was going to do it. I had to do it. I just didn't know when I was going to do it. Um, I'm kind of glad that we did give ourselves a day because I know obviously you were at the game last night. Yeah. I was in no fit. It would have been interesting to hear like the podcast last night because it would have been a lot more emotional. Things would have been said maybe yeah. out of context a little bit. Um, but I still yeah, am. Yeah, look, I, I still am very, very annoyed and I'm still very incredibly increasingly agitated about everything uh about the realities of you know the 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 end of the season but having said that I've digested all of those emotions and feelings and now I've accepted the fate that Europa League football is next season and there's a tiny part of me which has accepted it and which is like right I'm kind of looking forward to seeing Arsenal in European football, like in action in in Europe. Um, And I think it does us more favours to be in the Europa League with this current squad, with the projects that we are in the middle of at the minute. I think the Europa League suits us better than the Champions League. Don't get me wrong. The Champions League is the pinnacle. It is where a big club needs to be. But yeah. I don't think, and the only reason I, I would have wanted Arsenal to be competing in the Champions League is because we would be we would have been competing for Champions League uh, type players, players in that um, how do you say it in that ilk ilk in that uh, draw mold. draw mold. not draw mold uh, in that in basket. That. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying. Um and, and it's yeah. I guess the most annoying part about finishing fifth is that we we won't be attracting those players anymore. I mean, who's to say that Jesus comes to Arsenal? Who's to say that um Tielemans comes to Arsenal and the fella at Juventus, what's his name? How am I forgetting really good players? 
Dibala, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, mm. right. Silver lining. <laughs> there is a silver well, your silver lining isn't going to be heard, I'm afraid, because dodgy over, yes. internet connections. Yes, it is not all over yet. You're right. And if, and if, and if, and if, sorry, and if, I, I am I am experiencing problems with internet today. Um, I do not understand why, because everything is fine on my end. Hmm. But whether the, the, the gods just don't want me to record this podcast because of what I'm, I may say or do, I don't know. Um, but there is a silver lining that we have a game to play on Sunday and we need Tottenham to lose to Norwich. And if they do lose to Norwich, it'll be very, very spursy. And, you know, but that, that, will, that will not happen. Can you imagine? Uh, I've seen- Can you yeah. imagine? If Arsenal, some, I mean, look, it's. I feel stupid talking about it right now because, um, you know, it's like the most unlikely of situations. Uh, Tottenham play uh, Norwich, who are bottom of the league. They're relegated. Arsenal play relegation candidates. You know what would be? (laughs) You know what would, like, just top everything? If Spurs lose to Norwich and then Arsenal end up losing to Everton, that would top everything for me. Like yeah. you know, and I, it doesn't. It wouldn't put it past me at all. Look, uh, look. Yeah. The the thing is, that's not going to happen. I I I can sit here and say, Spurs will win against relegated Norwich. They only need a point, and we will end up being, and we will end up being in the Europa League. Hmm. Last night, I witnessed something I have never ever witnessed as an Arsenal. I I, I saw Arsenal fans. At their lowest point last night. Uh, some of them, I won't name any names, but some of them were, I would like to say, in tears. The uh, people I were looking, the, the people I were looking at around that ground, they were they, their faces told you the entire story and all you need to all you needed to know. And that uh, is the first time. That is the first time as an Arsenal fan where I've gone, wow. You see what the, you see what this club means to people, and you see how much it affects their daily lives. People are literally in tears right now, and I get it. You know, you uh, you as um, uh, I don't know how to word this, but Arsenal fans, being from London, I know I'm I live in Newcastle, so it's a bit easier for me. But you've travelled, you know, four yeah. hours on the train. Mm. You've travelled four hours on the train to come to come up here. Um. It's a, it's a massive commitment on a Monday night, and fair play to, excuse me, fair play to all the Arsenal fans that showed up. Uh, I think it was like ten thousand. Mm. Uh, there was fifty two thousand in the stadium, so um, yeah, it was just a really tough night, and um, one that I, one that I enjoy. <laughs> I have to be careful about how I word this one. I enjoyed the fact that for me it was my first away game, and mm. technically it was the first. It was the first time I've been in opposition ground. Um, because first time at Newcastle was it? Yeah, first time at Newcastle uh, Stadium. Yeah. Okay. Um, and let me just say, their fans, wow! When they are on it, they are on it. And mm. last night I saw what it truly means to be a football fan. And not only what it means to be a Newcastle fan, and you could feel the kind of what what Newcastle have been under these last few years. You could feel that kind of evaporate a bit. Yeah, 
like when because they were it was their last home game of the season they all had flags and stuff and it was ridiculous um the arsenal support were amazing the um but it just it just wasn't that didn't translate onto the pitch uh, very very well and uh saka made an in, uh, not saka jacka made an interesting uh, quote in his he said we didn't follow the coach's instructions yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because a lot of people are taking the other quote about, you know, indirects and whatnot. But the, the one that, that uh, struck me as, you know, quite interesting and something to dissect or look into is is that comment, is that bit there where he said they didn't or we didn't follow the coach's instructions. And it shows me two, why not? Yeah, it shows, it shows me two things. The first one, that it's we can't look at Arteta <laughs> when 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 we lose games in that kind of fashion we can question you know in game management maybe um, against Spurs and against Newcastle maybe I mean he, I think he made the right choices in the end he put on the right type of players he made the right substitutions at the right times uh, but he, I don't think we can question his tactical abilities because we've seen it being demonstrated clearly on the pitch he is a bright young coach he knows how to he knows he knows what kind of football that he wants to play and that football is effective and it works when it works but when it doesn't and you know I go back to Shaka's comments when players refuse to follow instructions or when moments get the better of them it falls apart so number one I don't think we need to look at Arteta because I'm seeing a lot of comments directed at Arteta number two what's going on with the dressing room? What's going on in the background? Why Why aren't players... I mean, we, we can look at Arteta in in, in other uh, situations like January transfer window. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Uh, I, I don't know if I remember myself, but I'm pretty sure I made a comment that if we lose the top four, it will be down to the, 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 the fact that we haven't bought a number nine. It will be down to the fact that we haven't signed anyone in January transfer window. We need to look at that situation we need to there are other situations like loaning out Saliba again loaning out Ainsley Maitland-Niles loaning out uh, Bellerin loaning out Nelson all of these players that could have been utilized we got rid of and you know one part of the argument is well they weren't invested in the project or they were bringing the side down or they just weren't happy to be playing second fiddle fine but you managed to keep players like Granit Xhaka on board. You managed to keep players like Edin Ketia on board in January. You managed to keep other players like, um, quick, help me, name another player who we managed to keep. I can't remember. Xhaka. <laughs> I mentioned Xhaka. Oh, did Jacques. you? Yeah. Um, uh, but no, but uh, the point I'm is, any. yeah, I'm uh, any. the point is players were kept on board. They were convinced. Yeah. Why weren't we able to keep those players on board as well? So, um, yes, Arteta's in, Arteta's tactical abilities, awareness, footballing IQ is great. It seems great. Yeah. But questions now need to be asked about key uh, points of the season. Like at the beginning of the season, why didn't we make signings earlier? Why did we make it lastminute.com? You know? Well, we're making signings. It seems like we're making signings early this season, the next season. You know, it talks of uh, Aaron Hickey, twenty-five million pounds. Yeah. Agree. Mm. Marquinhos, um, Gabriel Jesus, to some extent. Mm. Um, we have to see now, really. Being, um, who's the the goalkeeper from the MLS? 
Matt Turner, yeah. Matt Turner. Uh, a Houston trustee. Oh, <laughs> let's not go there. You know? It's, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you had a pleasant-ish experience at Newcastle. Um, I think yeah. anyone the, would. Let me, let me not get this straight. I'm not saying... I'm not saying, oh yeah, I enjoyed that. Look, I enjoyed the the experience of going to an away ground such as Newcastle. But when it comes to my, um, when it comes to Arsenal and that performance, I have never seen a, an Arsenal fan base be so low after a defeat. Yeah, you know there was people asking questions. I literally screaming, "Why have we lost that game?" People were going up to each other saying, "Why?" We lost that game. We've just thrown it. And then people were getting angry and it wasn't nice. Uh, and, you know, that's what happens when you underinvest and you leave it as it is. Um, when when there was clear, excuse me, when there was clear um, signs that we needed to do something. Um, you know, you see um, people like... Liverpool, they've already made a signing this season or for mm. next season. Who's but that? We, we, um, Fabio Carvalho. Oh, um, that deal's done, is it? I think so. Oh. Um, you know, te- teams teams make signings before next season, but we seem to always be lagging behind on that front. Yeah. Um, teams also but, have a squad full of depth and yeah, quality. Yeah. <laughs> Something yeah. else Arsenal are lacking. And something yep. else that Arsenal clearly lacked last night. I mean, I, I I never in my wildest dream would have thought, come this stage of the season, we would be seeing the likes of, with all due respect to them, we'd be seeing the likes of Elneny, Shaka, uh, Nketia, Cedric, um, still be you know start playing first team football. Yeah, the team is the team is dropping like flies uh, last night. To have to make a sub, I think that's our second substitution in the mid game. Mm. Um, I think we did it last week, didn't we? Yeah, we were forced to. I think no, yep. we didn't. We didn't. Did we? Uh, well, I don't know, but it seemed like Arsenal players are dropping like flies, and and, and all things are going wrong. So, <laughs> I want to start this episode with a very interesting tweet. Um, it was like a how do you call it? A a thread. That's it. It's called a thread. A thread, isn't it? Yeah. A thread from Le Grove. At Lagrove, um, Lagrove, uh, he's got his own podcast. They've got their own podcast and um, also um, blog. And I, I really enjoy some of the stuff that they write because it's 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 things that make sense. Like duh, but they say it in a really uh, nice, precise fashion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the first one is uh, it's it's basically a Fred explaining why finishing fifth is not necessarily a good thing, but maybe some of the good things that we can take away from this season and finishing fifth. Yeah. It's like some of the lessons that we've learned. Um, So football is an emotional game, but judging progress need not be. Arsenal will finish fifth, likely with 69 points. For me, the path forward has never been clearer. Here are some considerations when judging the season. So the first one, shocking start. We obviously weren't ready for day one of the season. We added five players to the first team and then didn't give them a pre-season. COVID rocked us, but bigger issue was the late business. So what lesson did we learn from this? Recruit earlier. 
The second yep. lesson, squad management. Arteta needs to manage his squad better. He has a tendency to go all in on 11 players until it breaks. Then he prays the players he ignored will come good. The lesson, except sometimes a win might turn into a draw, but if that preserves a key player, it's worth it. Also, add more depth. That's just That was just my part. Um, not, not in the tweet. Um, yeah. Adding more depth. Uh, depth. Yep. Uh, the table. Okay. Likely 69 points. Bottom of the top seven for goals. Opportunity. We need to sign a prolific goal scorer, goal scorer that has it all. No cast off players. Our new center <laughs> forward could be worth 10 points. Uh, is the most consequential, consequential move of the summer. We cannot miss it. The defense. Last season, we conceded 39 goals. This season, we've conceded 47 goals. 18.6% swing after adding 100 mil in defenders. The hope, um, average age of our defense is 24 and defenders often peak later. And the opportunity is to add proper competition. We need a new backup keeper and we need to get Saliba in amongst the thick of it. Um, There's also some other stuff that he mentions like injuries, character, uh, and you know, a little conclusion at the end, January window as well. So, um, yeah, I, I advise, or I encourage you to go and have a look at that on the growth Twitter page. Yeah. Uh, but some, some really, really good points, some really, really good yeah. points. And I think, um, this episode is inevitably going to be more about the consequences or the, um, <sighs> I'm sure what's another word for consequences? The 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 never the reality, really. Yes. Um, there's another word I can't think of. Gonna be, my head. This 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 episode is basically gonna be the reality that to put it bluntly, we've bottled it. Mm. You know? To put it bluntly, we've absolutely bottled it. Um you know you can say what you want, you can dress it up how you want. Spurs they you know what you 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 deserve the the right to banter us because that's what's going to happen they're going to be bantering us all this time because mm. we had games in hand we were called games in hand fc and and we've blown it with our, with our games in hand because we lost to Tottenham and now we lost this one and if we lose to Everton then we've really fucking bought it oh um, southampton are one nil up against liverpool wow, wow. Anyway, sorry about that. Wow, um, okay. I was, <laughs> to have, I was meant to have that game on in the background, actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, we bowled it. We now need to look at the, the positives, if there are any. Assess, you know, what we could do better. And, so, and how we're going to move on. I mean, look, the, 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 the inevitability, the inevitable has happened. We have finished fifth. Okay. Well, we will be finishing fifth as it looks like. I know there's a game left, but let's be honest. Also, we're going to finish fifth. They're going to qualify for the Europa League. That for me puts more pressure on Arteta and Edu and everyone else in the back, in the, in the, in the back room, in the back room. Yeah. In the, in back, the back room. Um, then they would have if they were to finish fourth because Champions League football means that games are spaced out a little bit better uh, They, they, there is a better structure in place Europa League the structure is a bit of a mess Thursday football more games when you qualify there is is there a last 32 round or is it gone to last 16 last 32 is there still a last 32 for Europa League yep, yep. 
Right. Because uh, it was my understanding that the conference league, the, the creation of the conference league meant that there is a last 16, not 30. Anyway, I have to double check. But look, uh, ultimately it means more games for Arsenal, more different places in Eastern Europe that they're going to have to travel to. And it now means that they're going to have to prepare a really big squad. They're going to need depth. They're going to need two or three players in each position. Once upon a time, it was okay to have just one player uh, to, you know, oversee a position. So if yeah. Tierney's injured, you've got Tavach. If, you know, uh, Tomiyasu is injured, you've got Cedric. That can't happen anymore. Not only that, we no. need quality. But but it also gives us an opportunity now to um, build this squad at, at, a, at a reasonable pace. Whereas if yeah. we were in the Champions League, you'd be looking at five or six top, top players. So you would you're need to spend... You're forgetting also, you're forgetting also that this mm. squad is the youngest in the Premier League. Yeah. And maybe being in the Europa League, as you said in the beginning, could be more favourable to this young squad. In terms and, of their development. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of player growth and in terms of the the, the next phase of the trans transformation of the makeup of the squad. So maybe there won't be as as much of a, you know, a, a desperate need or uh, there won't be that much of a panicky rush to get players like Shaka and Cedric out. Um, of course, I would love for them to be moved on and for them to be replaced by players that are 10 times better. But at this stage and knowing what Arsenal do in the market, um, highly unlikely. Like, I don't expect us to behave any differently than we have been in the last three or four seasons. Last season, uh, last summer, um, I guess there was a need to buy in certain players because yeah. um, finishing eighth, you know, twice was just mm, not really the kind of situation that we need to Look, find ourselves in. I think if we're in the Europa League next season, it might, might not change our plans, right? Because apparently if you think about, if you talk about uh, Jesus, apparently he's on board with the plan, right? Yeah. So if if the plan changes slightly, would he still come? I don't know. I don't know whether Arsenal have the pulling power anymore, if I'm honest, because it's been far too the long. Pulling the pulling power is Mikel Arteta in this case. Well, maybe, yeah. I guess so, because he's the man behind the project. He's the one driving it. But no, if you look and, and Jesus has worked with Mikel Arteta in the past as well. So He has, he has. But I know that certain players like... Jesus, who I think so underrated, by the way, uh, players of like massive quality, um, are, so are well. yeah, versatile. But also that that kind of player wants to go somewhere to win stuff, you know. Um, whereas players like the the types of players that we have signed, like your Tommy Asu, your um, Ramsdale's, Ben White, even Gabriel, you know, players that are not really players that you would look at and be like, oh, you know, maybe we should sign him. Um, very, very under the radar kind of players. Even this Marquinhos fellow. I mean, I've seen some of his compilation. It doesn't look that great, to be honest. But who knows? Who knows, you know? So maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Maybe Arsenal now don't need to focus on these flashy players like Jesus, Tiel uh, Tielemans and others. Mm -hmm. 
Dybala mm. because once upon a time they were also a nobody so maybe now Arsenal get their proper Arsenal scouting hats on and look deep within the French League the German League uh, the Spanish League you know look for players that have been even Eredivisie uh, is that is it Eredivisie uh, Eredivisie <laughs> such a fool Eredivisie um, the Dutch League right yeah Mm-hmm. Ten Hag is now at United. He will undoubtedly be taking all of his star players from Ajax over. Um, but uh, the the Dutch league is, is a league that's uh, slept on by many. Um, these are you know young players who are probably prob- properly equipped to then take their careers to the next steps. Um, so you know, blessing in disguise. Maybe we'll have to see how Arsenal conduct themselves in the transfer window it does worry me a little bit that Edu has his eyes set on Brazil and he is only favorable towards Brazilian players which is mm. I mean, I've got no problem with it but it's just it's just it just means that we are neglecting a big market um everywhere else so mm. anyway time will tell the season isn't over yet so um I don't know why we're having these types of conversations, but it does seem like it's over anyway with that defeat. Uh, let's talk about the starting lineup because I was very, very pleasantly surprised to see... Emil Smith-Rowe? Well, not just Emil Smith-Rowe, but Gabriel and White, two players who were a massive doubt. White we yeah. knew was on the bench for Spurs. He didn't come on and I guess we expected he, he would start. But Gabriel, what seemed like a hamstring problem was what? I, I still don't know. Did they end up diagnosing what it was? Uh, no, I don't know. Because he looked fine against Newcastle. He looked a bit shaky at the beginning, I have to say. But um, he started. He was in the starting lineup. Tommy Asu was there as well. Did He did end up coming off. But that back four, how, how would you... Uh, what was your kind of reaction? Um, I was happy to see Emil Smith-Rowe back. I think Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe together. Are um are a good combination, you know. We've we've created a chant over them this season. Mm. Um, Saka, man, it must be real. Even even I even even in defeat, I have to sing it. Um, mm. but yeah, um, it, you know there was doubts going into uh, to the game, saying that Tommy Asu would have to, you know, assume a new position and playing that back four. Um, finally which, back in his natural position yeah finally back in right back um, but then he had to go off so it didn't, it didn't really um, you know he didn't really have that much time to show what he could do and when he did get on the ball I don't think he was very good um, I don't think I don't think many players were good last night um, to be honest I think they just lacked everything that you need when you're in a a fight like we are for top four. Um, yeah. I think maybe maybe it was uh, the fact that it's a young squad and they haven't had that pressure before. But you know, as Jacques said in his as Jacques said in his interview, you can be ten and you can be ten, twenty, thirty. You you still need for what I'm quoting him. What he said, you still need the balls to be able to go and do that. Um, but we didn't show. Any, 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 any want or desire to to win the game yesterday? Yeah, because I have to be honest. Having uh, seen the starting lineup, I was, you know, like I said, pleasantly surprised to see Gabriel White, but also quite positive and optimistic 
uh, about, you know, getting the three points because you've got Tomiyasu, Tavaj yet questionable, but Shaka and any who have done okay. Saka, Odegaard, Smith Rowe have been really good this season. Up until that kind of, up until the last few weeks, actually. And Ketia, um, we know what he can do in that position. So, and then on the bench, we still had Martinelli, Pepe, Lacazette, and each of them have, you know, a quality in them that uh, means when they come on, they can change the the, the dynamic of the game. Uh, Newcastle, on the other hand, also had a very strong lineup. Um, Joe Linton, Gomarish, say Maximan, mm-hmm. uh, Wilson, Almiron, Almiron, sorry. Um, I mean, yeah, like I, I can't, I can't fully grasp yet what happened. Usually what happens in a game of football is the 90 minutes is broken up into intervals with both sides having control in moments there are moments of the game where one side will have momentum and then it will kind of dip a little bit. The other side will then take advantage of that. This game, it was pure 85 minutes or 80 minutes of constant Newcastle control, press, um, consistent uh, pressure and advantage. Not, not really advantage, but basically they were just incredibly superior absolutely and uh, and you were there as well so you could see the whole pitch you could yeah. make out exactly what was going to happen two steps before it did yep um, I've never seen this play like that so abject so so slow so we kept saying as they as they passed the ball about they kept. I noticed every single player. I don't know whether they're scared or uneasy. Every single player. Every single player would look to Ramsdale. Yeah. They'd always yeah. pass back to Ramsdale. They wouldn't decide. Oh, you think? Oh, go forward. Have a little bit of a run. No, backwards. Go back to Ramsdale. Ramsdale would then feed it back, and then regurgitate it back back around. You know. Regurgitate is the wrong word to use, but they they recycle. They'd recycle. It, it would become like this recycled um, thing where you'd go Ramsdale forward, have a little bit of a run back to Ramsdale, have a little bit of a run, pass it about. But there was there was no you know there was no no desire, no nothing. It was just it was just an absolute mess. Um, you make in a good point. Half, in the second half, to be fair, I know, I know I'm skipping a little bit. But in the second half, we picked it up a little bit, but it was still more of the same rubbish. Yeah, I think it was it was too little, too late. The, the when they scored their first goal, that's kind of when Arsenal decided to start playing. But uh, yeah, I, t- I totally agree uh, about the the Ramsdale point. And and um, what struck me was how nervous Ramsdale was yeah he kept slipping as as he was taking the goal kicks but also you could just tell his body language as he was as he was um, communicating with the defenders at the back as he was you know high-fiving or fist-pumping or whatever it was you know when uh, White or Gabriel or someone clears the ball out for a corner and he's I could just he could see it in his eyes there was he just wasn't 100% there and I felt for him a little bit because I I do agree that a lot of the time in that 
in that first half, most of the balls were being fed back to him and he couldn't do anything but lunge the ball forward. And, you know, uh, there was, there was a time where we associated Ramsdale with this being this composed, calm, collective individual. And, you know, he is the key to passing out from the back, but it seemed like there was no way that he wanted to attempt that because, uh, every time that we did attempt that or every time that we tried to play out from the back, um, there will be this instant pressure press from Newcastle from the front, from the, from the attacking line, um, that would force us to hoof it up, up, up the pitch. Uh, and actually the first few minutes were, it was, it was very much like that. It was a lot of long balls being lunged forward from both sides. Um, and, and it reflected that sort of uneasy attitude that no one really wanted to have the ball. No one really wanted to keep it for longer than two seconds. And there was no real lack. There was no real purpose or um, ambition. Yeah. Like no one, no one had the ambition to try something uh, you know, you associate players like Odegaard with creativity, technical abilities, even him. Like he didn't want, he didn't really want to have the ball. He didn't, he wasn't really interested. Um, and yeah, in the first opening five minutes, no. in the first opening 10 minutes, Newcastle controlling the possession. Uh, Wilson, you could see, could, you could tell he, he was, he was going to give Gabriel and White, uh, you know, a nightmare. He was going to be an, he was going to be a nuisance for them all night because he was standing kind of on the edge of the line, um, trying to get those runs in behind them. Was, was this his first start in what, like how many weeks? Stupid amount of weeks. Cause he's been uh, five, out injured for so five, long. Six. Mm. 12, five, six or 12 weeks. He lost a tooth as well, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. I did see that. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, it, it was, it was really strange to see again, once again, in a North London derby, you can argue that nerves get the better of you because it's a North London derby. And, you know, you're, 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 there is an explanation for why some players, you know, run back into their shell or collapse. But in a game like this, where, you know, you're still a point above Spurs, you're playing Newcastle, um, who let's be honest, they, I wouldn't say Newcastle are the deadliest side in the Premier League. They have been very, very good under Eddie Howe and they have continued a really good run of form, which has helped them to, you know, rise, climb up the table um, and avoid that relegation battle. But I was very concerned very early on that we were sitting off and allowing Newcastle to keep the ball. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, it was just uh, we made Newcastle look like they were in the European places were were higher than they should have been. You know, in January, Newcastle looked dead and buried, and already heading for the championship. Now, under Eddie Howe, they're playing this great brand of football that is progressive, that is you know, that is forward-thinking. And then there's us, you know, completely oblivious to everything that was happening yesterday. Didn't have an answer for any of it. Um, even when, you know, the likes of Pepe and... By the way, £72 million for him. You are having an absolute laugh. Um, but, yeah, didn't didn't want to create anything. Didn't, you know, just wasn't at it. 
even even Tomiyasu and Tavaj, they were showing nerves at the start. Now, I've always credited Almiron and Saint Maximin as players that have real quality, um, but they don't strike me as players that have so much quality where they run rings or they're able to run rings around our fullbacks. Uh, but that's kind of what happened quite early on. Like Tomiyasu looked scared to 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 face Saint Maximin and almost backing off a little bit um, during those duels. Um, Ramsdale almost given a goal away, you know, in the opening ten minutes with that, you know, that that pass that he does. He kind of skips past skips past yeah. the player and tries to play a, a low driven pass um yep. almost almost went into the back of the net uh then ben white given a, a yellow card for pushing wilson during a one-on-one they they looked really panicky at the back and w- i think what struck me more than anything was the lack of leaders in that back four because you have to remind yourself that everyone in that back line is under 25 if i'm not mistaken um mm-hmm. let's have a look how old is Ben White? <coughs> 23. Ben White's 24. 24. How old is Gabrielle? Gabrielle. Are you asking me that? Yeah. Just, just, just take a wild guess. Uh, 20. I'm going to have a guess. 22. Uh, he's 24 as well. Oh, wow. Tommy Yasu. 20. He's at under 25. Yeah. I don't know he's 25. He's 23. Oh. And Tavaj? He's older than that. Yeah. Uh, Tavaj is twin, 20, 22. 22. He is 22. And Ramsdale just turned 25, sorry, 24, uh, a couple of days ago. So everyone in that back line is under 25. There is no leaders. There is no senior members there to try and maneuver this situation. Yeah. Um. And just generally that's when, speaking, that's when you could have. That's when yeah. you could have needed like a Koscielny or a yes or a Mertesacker or a, you know, even even to some extent. I was thinking maybe a you know when we used to have uh, Gabriel Paulista. Mm. Yeah. Mm. He was that kind of veteran player, but we have nothing in there. They're just you know, with all due respect, they are you know not kids, but they are you know they're they're of that age where. So uh, yeah, so it's interesting to it's interesting to hear Shaka make those comments, make those because I don't know who it's directed at. I don't know whether it was directed at Eddie, whether it was directed at Saka and Will Smith Rowe, but I have a I have a small inkling. I have a small inkling that it could be the backline. He could be uh, digging out the backline for for performing as poorly as they or, or for turning up with such a negative attitude. Um, maybe not negative, maybe negative is the wrong word, but for turning up with such a scared attitude, scared attitude for, 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 for turning over too quickly. Yeah. For turning for, for turning over way too quickly. And, um, you know that that first ten minutes, uh, really, yeah. the first ten minutes really was a a you know a, a very shortened picture or short story for what was to come. Not a great start. 
Very yeah. shaky, very panicky at the back. Likely to concede every time Newcastle push balls deep into our half. And no, Newcastle weren't absolutely amazing. They were just absolutely amazing off the ball. They weren't great with the ball. They had the ball. They would put it out wide, cross the ball deep into the box, and it would be, you know, cleared out, um, scrambled out almost, uh, for them to then have a go, have another go. Um, horrible, horrible start. And then, you know, the next 10 minutes, very much the same. Newcastle playing with the right attitude every time they have the ball every time they have possession every time we have possession Newcastle press our back line puts us under pressure we lose possession by sending the ball up uh, all, the, all the way in, into the halfway line onto the halfway line with uh, who but Dan Burns to, to clean up you know there was no one up there to pick up the, any loose balls um, you're not going to expect you know Bakayo Saka Emil Smith-Rowe or Eddie Nketiah to um, compete against the likes of Dan Byrne Shah Kraft uh, and Target you know so that was and that was for me that, that was really irritating for me um, when they when they started to you know push long balls forward like I don't understand why uh, Ramsdale was kicking the ball long every single time when all that was happening was the ball was just being returned back to back into our half um, and the pace of our passing was really slow as well you were watching it from a, kind of like a bird's eye view you could see the midfield I couldn't really tell as much because the cameras were panning uh, back and forth but um, did you did you notice anything from uh, Elneny and Shaka, like what was their positioning like? What was their attitude like? You can you can you can almost tell because I think the battle was lost in midfield, and that's what lost us the game yeah. effectively. It just seemed, uh, from what I would I'd pinpoint Elneny on this one, and sorry to be a you know Elneny, you know respectful to footballer, but um, not the best yesterday. Um, he just every every player, especially in the midfield, as you say, it seemed to be a little bit, I don't know, not on the same page. Uh, a bit when Alan goes forward, he only takes like he only drives forward a little bit, and then and then is forced back by Newcastle's defense. You know, can't you know? You'd expect the midfield to then slot through Odegaard for a pass, and then let the let the create the creativity really happen. Um, but there was none of that. No, no fancy, you know, no direct balls to Odegaard. He barely got anything. Uh, and then obviously because we have an inexperienced number nine, you then have that to contend with where, where you don't have the, 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 and K doesn't have the, the effect of a, of a out and out number nine, which is probably the main problem as why it's cost us top four, as you said. Because he doesn't score enough goals, but um, not just that. I mean, like, what was his work rate like off the ball? What was he doing when we didn't have possession? When the ball was playing deep, when the ball was being whipped in deep into our box, where was he? What well, was the, the movement like? I can say that I can say that about the whole team. The the body language was they they were just walking at times and jogging, and none of the team, not just on any, not just a single one, any out. None of the team were were particularly at it at all. Because what I would expect, this is, I mean, I'm not a football genius by any stretch of the imagination, but when a team is struggling to play out from the back, you would expect your midfielders to drop deep to give them options, right? Yeah. So yeah. every time that, uh, well, the, 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 the small amount of times that uh, Ramsdale, who was unfortunately, unfortunately, he has to be singled out because he was the player that was responsible for 
um, creating that momentum, the pace of our passing was really, really slow and we needed to pick it up a notch in order to keep up with Newcastle's pace. And unfortunately, Ramsdale was that player to, for creating that momentum because any, every time you know, we would get a goal kick or every time we had possession, unfortunately, it was him who was picking out where we would start that you know, that movement from. So um, when the ball was being played from Ramsdale to White to Gabriel, whoever it was, um, where was like Shaka and Elneny? What was their positioning like? Did they drop deep to try and pick up the ball? Or are they just lingering in midfield, hiding behind the Newcastle shirt, waiting for it to be hoofed forward? The last one, the last one. I hide in. Hmm. Yeah, there wasn't much in 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 tackling you know, I'd expect one of them to at least put a foot in. I didn't see any. They they were just letting letting Newcastle through and no desire not, to press, nothing like that. Yeah, no desire to press. No, no press. No nothing. And you can see Arteta was on the touchline. I had a look. I had a look over him a few times. Mm. He was getting increasingly annoyed, as you would be. And I think um, I didn't see this, but my. Um, one of my uh, my family were watching it. Some of the family at home were watching it on TV while I was at the game. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Arteta just went. Down. What did <laughs> he do? Uh, apparently, Arteta just went. Yeah, I'm I'm done and sat down. Mm. Apparently, he just sat down. Right. You know, he, he's normally stood, stood stood up, and then apparently towards the end of the game, he just went, ah, fuck it. Yeah, no, I think I did see that at one point. Actually. You know, it's <laughs> just a bit fed up, really, isn't there's it? There's no point in me. There's no point in me barking. Yeah, there's no point in me barking orders if they ain't gonna listen type of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, but I mean, look, th- there were flashes in that first half, flashes of what Arsenal are capable of doing, and I, I, I think back, um, remind us back to the moment where Odegaard and Saka linked up really well uh, with Saka's shot being deflected off Burns for a corner. Uh, had that gone on target, had that shot, you know, been able to go all the way through, maybe that's in the back of the net and maybe that's, you know, uh, a, a, a moment that's changes the whole momentum of that game. Um, but uh, it wasn't to be. It was the same kind of attitude uh, come the latter stages of that first half. I think uh, many fans were, were hoping to hear that at the end of that, that first half, uh, to hear the, the, the whistle. And, um, you know, there was, um, I guess near the end of the first half, there was a kind of a better spell for Arsenal. We were seeing a little bit more of the ball. We were getting into the feet of Saka and Nketiah, whose paces was, whose pace were certainly something for Newcastle to keep an eye on, but we weren't, we, we just, we just didn't get it into their feet enough. Um, I, I, I want to talk about Emil Smith-Rowe and kind of the plan for why Smith-Rowe played instead of Martinelli. I imagine it was to shore up that side of the defensive half because we know, you know, Tavaj, as, as much as he loves to drive forward, he's terrible at tracking back, leaves that gap. And uh, there has to be someone with um, uh, some defensive ilk or some defensive discipline to to close that gap up. Um, what did you see from, from Emil Smith-Rowe in that first half? And what did you expect from him, more importantly? Uh, from who, sorry? Emil Smith-Rowe. Yeah, um, I expected a lot more than I saw, uh, put it that way. Um, well, what do you think his role is on that side? Because let's be honest, I genuinely don't believe that he is a winger. I think his preferred position is is is, is of a number 10, 
and mm-hmm. or or an advanced <laughs> midfielder. I don't mm-hmm. think he has any business playing on the wing. So what is his role in that position? <laughs> I don't know. You asked Mikel Arteta, but unfortunately we, we can't get Mikel Arteta on this podcast. Um, you know, I'd agree. I think um, his role is to be uh, number 10, that kind of Meza Ozil type player that effectively a Meza Ozil replacement <laughs> because I don't think we replace Meza Ozil. I think we just let Mikel, uh, let um, Emil Smith-Rowe develop to the point that he is now so he could take over that role, but he's not even being played in that role. You know, he's uh, a number 10 just playing on the wing. Um, you know, I agree. Because um, his qualities are that he's very silky on the ball. He's good at linking up mm-hmm. well with others and um, his intensity. He has, you know, he plays with a lot of intensity on and off the ball. So surely you play... Fair, we, have now, we have now Martin Odegaard, so... Yeah, no, I know, I know, but I, I mean, even even to play him as a as a as a midfielder, surely is is far more beneficial than to see him out on the wing, because we were destroyed down that flank. Um, there was nothing going yeah, down I would, it. I would say maximum. Yeah, no, I think say maximum was on the other side. Yeah. He was, he was, he was at the side where Tommy Asu was. It was Almiron, wasn't who it? Was on the, who was on the um, Almiron. Almiron? Yeah, yeah, Almiron is a player. <laughs> Uh, hasn't really hit the heights of what he was capable of at Atlanta United with uh, Joseph Martinez, but um, is still a player there. Um, a really good player. He had a really good game yesterday. Yeah, interesting to see no Joe Willock as well, actually. Um, mm. I don't know if he's injured or what, what's going on there, um, but I felt like he would have um, been a little bit, you know, he would. I think if he had played yesterday, he would have been a little bit in two minds, how we how whether to play against New Arsenal, I like that because, uh, but you know, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of stumped for words. You know? I mean, look, say what you will about right. Joe Willock, but that there is a player that could have been really well utilized at Arsenal last night because there is a player who galvanizes everyone around him. I think he's the type of player. When 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 things aren't going well, and when the tough so he, is going, he would be the leader then, technically. Yeah, and that that's what was missing in that first half. That was that's what was missing throughout the whole game. There was no leaders. No, I don't. Having watched that game, I can't. I can't. I can't see it. I can't see what everyone is seeing or what Mikel was seeing. A, a leader, a captain, galvanizes everyone. Puts brings everyone on the right page. Way. I know he's captain of Norway, I get that. But there are certain qualities that a captain must have. And maybe he has some of them. But I can't see the qualities, the other qualities, the more crucial qualities needed. If your defensive back line is in disarray, you go back there and you sort it out. You give certain individuals roles that they need to fulfill. Gabriel, you're the one that um, is, 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 is stronger defensively. Hold that line. Make sure that everyone is standing firm on that line. Tommy Yasu, keep an eye on uh, St. Maximum. Double up on him if you have to. Hold that line. You know, everyone just looked like they were just carrying themselves. Everyone just looked shell-shocked. And there needed to be more voices. There needed to be more dialogue. And I felt like there was just none of that. Do you think then, for instance, we should give it to Ramsdale then? Even Ramsdale? 
I mean, you know, this no, is. A- do you think? Do you think? Uh, but you're saying you're saying for Martin to sort out the defense. Do you think it would be better for someone some, on the other? Not necessarily someone. to directly sort out the defense, but come on, have some words. You know, talk no, to no, someone. No, no, but during the game, I don't yeah. think Martin Odegaard can go to the defense and go. You know. So do you think? Well, why not? Why not? Why can you not shout from midfield and be like, yo, sort this mess out. What's going on? You stay here. You go there. Everyone tighten up. Close the space. But would it be better than coming from Ramsdale then? I mean, I think, I think um, for the most part. On that that side of the pitch. Yeah. So for the most part, we know that historically, um, and I think there's a trend that, you know, most captains uh, you'll find are goalkeepers. But um, I don't know. I don't know whether I trust Ramsdale. I have to be honest. I, I, again, lack of experience, really? lack of game, ex, uh, game, game, game management from him because he hasn't been in moments like that. I mean, I guess you can you can make the point for Sheffield United yeah, and Bournemouth. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it, even even Tierney is Tierney loud enough on the pitch? I look at other teams yes. in the Premier League. I mean, let's have a look at other teams in the Premier League. Let's, let's, let's discuss the calibre of captains that we need. Okay. Uh, let's go to the table. So, um, Man City. I can name you one, I can name you one player already. All right, so, so for, Jordan Henderson. Henderson, right. The perfect example. The perfect example. Man City, Milner, Chelsea. Um... Man City, Milner, no. Oh no, he's at Liverpool. Oh my God, how stupid of me! Um, right, even okay. Let's say who, who's that Man City who's who is uh, who would be the perfect uh, caliber of for captain? It's it's De Bruyne at the minute, but I wouldn't give it to him to be honest. I don't think he's. Um, um, we've got Edison. No, not Edison. Okay, do you know what? Forget uh, it. Let's talk about Jordan Henderson. What does Jordan Henderson have that Ramsdale, Odegaard, Shaka doesn't have? The balls to say what he thinks, I guess. Okay, that's number one. Number one is get in your teammates' faces. Let them know exactly what they need to do. Number one. Number two, composure. Calm and composed and always reassuring everyone. None of that yesterday. Didn't see any of that. Ramsdale, to some extent, he was reassuring Ben White and Gabriel. But, you know, as a goalkeeper, it's your job to make sure that your back line are sorted out and um, they are, you know, on the right page. Um, But everyone else, I didn't see anyone giving any words of encouragement or picking anyone up. What other qualities does does Jordan Henderson have? Uh, Ball playing ability, someone who leads on the pitch. We talk about Henderson and often describe him as a bang average footballer, but he has all the footballing qualities needed to fulfill his task as a central midfielder. He's not flashy. He's he doesn't have the best technical abilities, but he does the hard work. He is a grafter. Granite Shaka, take notes. Be the first one to win the ball. Make sure the players around you are in good positions. Dictate. You are the you are the second you you're the manager on the pitch. That's what captains are there for, to fulfil and to um, carry out. We need we need that. We need a manager. Well, yeah, I'm, you, we don't have that. We didn't have that last night. We don't. We haven't had that for a good part of the the large part of the season. In fact, the only player that we had that he, that we have in the squad who does most of that wasn't on the pitch. He was on the bench, and he's not good enough to play first team because he doesn't have the qualities. And I'm referring to uh, Alex Lacazette. Um, you know, Lacazette, I don't think would do that. 
Yeah, like, but, but I mean, look, we've seen Lacazette on the pitch, screaming at players, talking up, mm-hmm. telling players to be in certain positions. Unfortunately for him, he just doesn't have the qualities to play. Um, but yeah, that that for me was the first half. The first half in a nutshell. No lack, no leaders whatsoever. And then the second half, um, we, we concede very early on. We concede, when do we concede? Let's have a look. I think it was 50 something minute, 55th minute. Uh, ben White scores an own goal. Um, and just before that, Martinelli comes on for Mill Smith Rowe, which was needed because uh, the pace of the game was dead. But uh, Ben White converts the ball into the back of his own net, following a great run down the flank by Joe Linton. A clear example of a player who actually gives a poo. Joe Linton running down the flanks and just taking the mickey out of whoever it was that was chasing him. I think it was Elneny that was trying to chase him. Um, And, you know, a very low, very well put cross across the face of goal. And unfortunately, Ben White has uh, put his stud to it and it goes into the back of the net. Um, and and funnily enough, it that goal comes from what is being described as a foul throw. Um, James, I can't understand what the foul throw was. No, how how that was a foul throw? Uh, Remember, I can't yeah, I can't understand either. Because uh, I've seen it. I've seen it in close yeah. like proximity. I've, yeah, I've, to I've, me, that, that seems normal to me. So I don't know what... What is it that he's done wrong? Because a foul throw would mean that he is he did not... His, his hands were not above his head as he threw the ball, right? A foul throw is when your hands are below the head, but he, his hands were above the head. So how's that? How's I that? Far no, from? I have no clue. I have no clue other than the fact that referees. <laughs> I mean, we have to be honest. This wasn't a game of dodgy officiating. That was a dodgy decision. But, no, no, I'm saying that was a dodgy decision. But the game was lost due to just Arsenal not turning up. It was lost because did, did. of a poor performance and a poor attitude. You know, so. Ouch. Sorry, we have to make excuses, but didn't we have some fouls that should have been given? Um, should we yes. have some fouls that should have been given? I think so. I think Smith Rowe's shirt was pulled and there was no foul given to us in the first half. I think there were moments in the game, there were incidents with Joe Linton where we had either won a free kick or a corner and he would uh, try to waste time and he wasn't booked mm-hmm. for either incidents. Yeah, there were there were moments in the game, definitely, where there were decisions that weren't given f- towards us. But I, I think it, had they been given to us, it wouldn't have really made much of a difference. I don't think this is a game where we, we need to talk about officiating because uh, for the most part, they wouldn't have overturned that decision. They wouldn't have overturned the scoreline. We still would have lost one or two nil. Um, and yeah. it's so surprising to me that the moment that Newcastle score, Arsenal finally start to play. Um, uh, is certainly after maybe 10 or 15 minutes after the first goal but um, almost immediately Newcastle continues to charge forward Almiron and say maximum leading the line looking likely to score a second goal Arsenal absolutely spineless um, if you if you if you if you were to put it down to one 
reason, one factor for why Arsenal lost that game, what would it be down to? Um, lack of desire, lack of belief, lack of press, lack of... I know you asked for one, but there's many. But what, what does that come down to? Lack of experience, probably. Experience mm. on big occasions. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, we, we, we could have done it at Tottenham, bottled it. Could have done it here. Could have could have done it respectively here. And then if we'd have won at Everton, we, we would have done it, bottled it. So whether it's young players to, or too inexperienced or, or the like, I don't know. There seems to be this running theme of Arsenal losing a game and then losing two or three more afterwards. And then yep. winning three, four, five games. Agreed. Yep. We we go on this we go on it's like we go on this run literally three or four times a season. Exactly. Yeah, so at the beginning of the season, we what? We lost those three games. We lost to Chelsea. No, that was in Chelsea. We lost to Brentford. We lost to Chelsea. We lost to City. We then beat Norwich, Burnley. Do you know, um, what? Do you know what as well? Yeah. After three games, Arteta was offered a new contract. Yeah. After we lost those three games, Arteta was offered a new contract. So do you, do you do you think um I don't know I mean what do you put that down to do you think that is a factor do you think that the club have This is not me saying this is not me saying what what's... This is this is sorry this is not you saying what No this is not me saying Oh that's so annoying I really wanted to hear what you what you, what you were going to say but you cut out Um I guess I'll just put my two cents on this contract situation. I don't think Mikel Arteta's being, uh, Arteta being given his contract has uh, had any bearing on, on the results. Um, I think that they have, they, they yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. Sorry. As you were saying, right. you don't think. Basically, sorry. Basically, apparently in the press, Arteta was offered his, Oh no! It's so annoying. Every time he wants to say it, he cuts off. We lost those three games. Right, he's gone. He's gone again. Hello. Yeah, quickly make your point before Hi. you disappear. Oh, Arteta was offered those three. Get Arteta was offered his new contract. Yes. Yeah. Say it quickly before you go. Oh my god, technology. Wow. Um I don't think James is going to be able to make his point, so I'm going to make mine. I don't think him being given a new contract has any bearing on the results. I think that that decision to give him a new contract was made maybe months ago. You know, there were everyone could see it that there is there is something happening at Arsenal. The the age of the group the direction that we were going in, continuously being in that top four race throughout the course of the season, having spells in the season where we were playing incredibly beautiful football, results going our way, beating rivals. I don't think that this was a spur of the moment thing where the board were like, you know what, this is the right time to be offering them a contract. I think they were planned, they planned this six months before, four months before, three, maybe even three months before. But I don't think that offering him a contract at that moment 
um, should be something to consider when looking at the games that we have lost in the last few weeks. Maybe they could have timed it a little bit better. Maybe this announcement could have been saved until the end of the season. It was it was very random, very random to just announce it uh, the way that they did. And we won't know the reasons for why that they thought for why they announced it at that time. I guess maybe we, we might get a glimpse. Maybe we might get an idea come the, um, come the documentary. Um, Earth Hello. to James. Yes. How better? Off you go, mate. Right. Basically, I didn't want to get misconstrued when I just said that. Mm. Because I understand that Arteta is doing a a good job. But what I was trying to say is, apparently, when he extended his contract, when they gave him his contract, it was after the three games he lost at the beginning of the season. So why are you extending a contract if we just lost three games? I just made the point that I think the board decided to give him that contract extension uh, a long time before the two weeks ago like they would have overseen everything considered everything you know the fact that we've got such a young squad the fact that they are doing such incredible things the fact that we're in this top four race the fact that we've been playing beautiful football all of this would have been accumulated it's not something that they would have just randomly um decided so i don't think we need to look into that too much no i'm not i'm not saying i'm I'm not saying you necessarily, but I'm just seeing I'm this. Just this I'm just seeing uh, this um, kind of this story, this narrative, you know, on on social media amongst other fans. So, yeah. No, I'm just asking the question because if if mm. if, if, if we somehow miss out on this Champions League, which it looks like we will, yeah. But, um. If we if we remind ourselves back to the start of the season, predictions for where we were going to end up. My argument was that if Arsenal don't finish top four, then we need to think about getting in getting in a new manager. Having said that, having witnessed this season and everything that we have done, the football that we've played. I think that we give Arteta another season because he's overachieved, in my opinion. Um, and I know, I know what I just said. It contradicts, totally contradicts what, what everything I just said. But you need to factor other things like f- playing style, like how dominant we are in football matches, like recruitment. Like the project, what are we trying to accomplish here? How are we trying to accomplish it? And I think the the foundations have been set, the right things have been put in place, but now we just have to build on it. And I think that I trust Arteta to build on it. I trust him to complete this project and then to start putting expectations on shoulders. Um, like next season, if we get into the Europa League, 
we need to win that competition. We need to win something next season. There can't be any more excuses. Summer transfer window has to go right. Has to be right. We have to make the right signings. Um, and so, yeah, now I move back onto the game. I'm back. You are back. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. We're just, I'm just about to talk about the, the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. The final kind of 15, 20 minutes. Uh, how much hope did you have that Arsenal were going to turn it around? We're going to score two goals in like 15, None. 20 minutes. Serious? None? None. Even when Lacazette uh, came no. on? I mean, there was a moment where... Yeah, go on. Yeah, I joked about it, but in all seriousness, none. Yeah, because there, there was a moment where um, both Lacazette and Martinelli were out of the game. Lacazette with a bleeding head. I don't know where that came from. Martinelli with a dead leg. And <laughs> there, we had nine men on the pitch. Um, but the last 15 minutes, um, the the tempo of the game slightly increased. Yeah. Uh, Martinelli was making a difference down that flank, offering more than Emil Smith-Rowe, adding spontaneity. And a surprise element as well uh, for Newcastle to worry about. There were a few decent corners being put in by Cedric, but you know mm-hmm. nothing really that we were able to do. Um, Wilson, however, on the on the other side of the pitch, uh, having another attempt to double the lead. Um, I think he had two really good attempts. There was one from like thirty yards out where he tried to curl one in. Tried, found um, Ramsdale off his line and then there was that audacious uh, volley almost went in as well Yeah, uh, Pepe comes on for Gabriel in the 72nd minute so look Arteta did make the changes necessary we did bring on all of our attacking yeah, players Lacazette came on Martinelli came on and Pepe came on with like 20 minutes to go um, Arsenal yeah. going all out attack Newcastle for, for like 5 or 10 minutes deciding to sit off a little bit um, but they were deadly on the counter attack, and they kind of made us pay. And it shows actually the the mentality and the mindset of someone like Eddie Howe when he take when he's taken off Saint Maximum, Saint Maximum, and Almiron for then two more attacking players in Fraser and Wilson. Sorry, in Fraser and Murphy, a fresh injection of attacking personnel added um, to really punish us and they almost punished us when Pepe underhits a pass to Shaka which gets uh, taken by I don't know who it was I think it might have been it wasn't Murphy it was someone else but Arsenal are then left with a two on one um, with Murphy's shot somehow being miraculously saved by Ramsdale I think it was a poor shot at the end of the day but um, yeah it was moments like that where you looked in the well, they can look in the mirror and just, it wasn't enough. We don't have the quality, right quality of players. And it's a shame. It's a real shame. There there seems to be a curse at Arsenal where when players start to perform poorly, they can never recover. And you only need to look at Aubameyang for this, where this, where a player has left Arsenal from, you know, having suffered such a bad run of form goes to La Liga for one of the best teams in the world where you could argue the pressure to perform, the pressure to, you know, score goals is far higher than what he, what he was under at Arsenal and he's, he's delivering. So I don't know. It's, it's not just under Arteta though. It was, it was something which was under, under 
Emery and under Wenger. Um, but this curse of Arsenal players, you know, a, a, a dip in form is almost always permanent. James, I was just saying that Pepe is is a player that has been lacking some momentum and some form, but it seems to yeah. have just completely killed him off. Yeah, the seventy-two million pounds seems a lot far away than it should be. Um, uh, he's not worth seventy-two million pounds. I think we established that years ago, mm. or you know, when we first signed him. I think nobody thought it was worth that money, um, but that. The confidence of not being the 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 consequences of not being played or or picked under Arteta barely is um possibly to hmm. even players that have been picked though like you know Pekar Saka for instance you could argue that he's been overplayed he's burnt out this could be the last time you'll see yeah yeah um. We just have the matter of uh, Gromarish's goal to talk about. I mean, I don't really know what to say about it other than, you know, a very scrappy second goal. We were hit on the counter-attack, failed to recover when we lost the ball. Um, and then, well, you're chasing a 2-0 lead with five, ten minutes left of the game. That's it. Down and out. Um, yeah, Arsenal now look forward to Europa League football next season, all but confirmed. Yep. Yeah. So, um, oh, Liverpool have equalised. It's 1-1. Yeah. Um, should we leave it there for uh, Yeah, I think we should. I think we'll just leave it there and um, we'll probably come back. Well, we will come back for the season finale. Don't know what the point of that is, but I mean, I guess there's there's, there's still the matter of Everton potentially being relegated. That might be something to cheer yeah. about, or especially in the back door. Mm, well, yeah, especially especially after what the Everton fans, some of the Everton fans, did to um, the families of Ivan Tony and um, was it Buemo? Someone did they they actually bruise them there? Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. taking the mick out of Ericsson as well. So, no place in football. No place. No, no. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's. What about the internet issues? Let's um, leave it uh, there. That's that's totally okay. These things happen. We are going to come back stronger, bigger, faster. Hopefully, yeah. it, it it reflects the current situation we're in with Arsenal. So. I don't mind it at all. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you thought of this episode by reaching out to us on Twitter. You can find us at Ask Therapy Pod. Drop us a little message. Let us know with your thoughts and whether we can do anything to improve the show. Of course, we are always um, open for suggestions, but we're going to leave it there. We will be back for the season finale because we have to unfortunately uh, but until then have yourselves a very good week take care bye bye